Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we are going to be reviewing the film Ferrari. All right, Sarah, kick us off with an IMDb summary for Ferrari. Set in the summer of 1957 with Enzo Ferrari's auto empire in crisis, the ex-racer turned entrepreneur pushes himself and his drivers to the edge as they launch into the Mille Mille, a treacherous 1,000-mile race across Italy. All right. And in Movies and Us tradition, for the last time in 2023 as well, this is our last recording of the year, which is kind of neat. Uh, let's do our one sentence summaries for Ferrari. Sarah, what was yours? Mine is maybe all gas, no brakes isn't the best life motto. <laughs> Just maybe. We're not sure. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I think this film has a point of view on that one, though. Uh, but yeah, nice, nice. My one sentence summary is behind every great man is a Laura Ferrari. Nice. Yes. Shout out Mm -hmm. to Laura. She is the best. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's dive in with our initial thoughts of Ferrari and we will not spoil this movie in this first section. So Sarah, I'm intrigued to hear Ferrari worked for you or not. Yeah, this didn't work for me. Uh, it's, it's fine. Uh, I think that there are some choices that this movie makes that I don't think work super well. There's some things like little things with the the production and the, the cinematography and the sound design that didn't like quite work for me. Some of the story pacing felt off for me. Like I just there were elements of it that I was like, this this doesn't feel right to me. I think there are some things that it does well. But I've also seen those things done better in other movies. So I don't know. I Maybe I was judging Ferrari a little bit more harshly than I should have been. But I don't know. For me, this is kind of a middling movie uh, with the standout being Penelope Cruz. She is great in this. Yes. So I hope that she gets yeah. loads of recognition because she is she is quite good in this, and she was the highlight of this movie for me. Mm-hmm. Can we get a movie about Laura Ferrari, please? Hello. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's so interesting. I don't know if this is typical of every year or it just feels like it extra much this year, but I feel like there's been a lot of biopics or films based on true events that we've gotten to experience mm. past year. Does it feel like it's been more than – in the in a previous year there's been a lot especially in the past couple months too yeah yeah there has been a lot I don't know that there's necessarily been more than in previous years but I don't there's been a lot this year but I feel like there's always a lot so (laughs) I don't know yes yeah so anyway I I this movie is okay uh I think that there are some things that are really interesting choices and some themes that seem to be part of the the thesis and the thematic elements of this movie. But there's a lot just that felt a little bit um, bland to me. And it, it really 
in the past couple of months just been thinking a lot about like what makes a great biopic and i think we've seen some great examples of that in the past year we've seen some not so great examples but i think a great biopic often is is telling the story of you know a person or a set of people but there's often these larger universal themes that somehow the film is able to invite us into and I didn't feel like Ferrari did that and I think that I think that's a miss there's there's some things that you can maybe try and extrapolate out but overall I don't think that this movie has maybe enough that it wants to say or at least if it's trying to say something it's not clear and focused to me on which of those aspects it's looking to really communicate I think there's there's a lot of themes that you could pull out from this around like like moral responsibility and you know the the corporate ambitions of of people and men and um there's there's a lot of like relational dynamics this is really like a family drama more than it is focused on this company in a lot of ways so there's a lot there but i don't it's not clear to me what this movie's trying to say and i think that's that's my biggest qualm with it um there's some uh, characters that have accents that really bothered me <laughs> throughout the movie as well. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, which I'm sure we will talk about. But, um, you know, all in all, it was fun to see my dude, Adam Driver, whom I love as an actor, just being a cool Italian silver fox. Like that was, that I was, you know, I'll pay money for that. Well, and it's a good reminder that if you want to look extra cool, you just need to wear your sunglasses indoors. That (laughs) just exponentially increases your cool factor. And he nailed it. He did. He did. It fit the brand. It fit the vibe. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I never thought I would imagine Adam Driver as a, like, chic Italian man. But here we are with his hair slicked back and everything. (laughs) And it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So those are some wonderful things for my brain to ruminate on uh, that this movie gave me. So that's a win in my books. <laughs> that's great. I, I I love that you got to experience this movie. You know, there's been a few other Adam Driver movies that have come out in the past couple of years yeah. that we didn't get a chance to review and weren't quite good. So we dodged bullets there. So I'm glad that we we got to see this movie for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I was thinking about during this movie, just the, kind of the the movie and role choices that he's been making over the past couple of years has been just pretty fascinating. I think he's kind of in his exploration phase where he's just trying out all different types of roles. He's an action star in one and, you know, playing like a moody um character piece in another and and just the range he's he's exploring is also pretty fascinating to see so here's another step on his exploration journey that he's going on i'm here for it yep um okay so let's include a spoiler if you haven't seen ferrari it is available out in theaters we recommend getting to check it out before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode um while we're on the topic of um going to see this out in theaters. I watched this, granted it was a Tuesday, so discount Tuesday during the week between Christmas and New Year's. And my theater was packed. It was packed at like 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. And 
this is not the fun, floofy, you know, take your family to go out to see a movie type of movie that you want to see in the holidays. Like it's pretty, you know, visually dark, thematically dark. Like there's just, there's a lot, it's moody and depressing in a lot of ways. So that was just some interesting choices. I, I wonder if people left the theater expecting a different movie than the one that they got because you see you hear the name Ferrari and and you expect some like great racing scenes um like some sophisticated you know period stuff that's happening where you get transported into this world in Italy and all that but this movie is quite depressing to be watching during the holidays so that was just kind of some interesting choices and then some interesting thoughts around like the marketing of this movie as well but you had a very different experience in the theater I did. I did. I went on a Wednesday morning at a 940 showing and I was the only person in my theater and it was great and I loved it. Love it. I love it. (laughs) That's the best. That's the best thing that happens when you walk in and not a soul is in sight and the movie is just about to start because the previews are wrapping up and the chances that somebody else will walk in are very low at that point. That's the best. But I I did wonder if having a full theater, because there is something really magical about watching a movie in a theater with other people, because Mm -hmm. then you're also feeding off of their reactions to things. So if if the crowd is really enjoying the movie and you're maybe not enjoying it as much, you might be more tempted to like get swept up in their excitement. Um, And it might make those, those racing scenes more exciting and more heart pounding. And, you know, when, when the crash happens, you know, you'd hear gasps across the theater, you know? So when you're, when you're alone, it might detract a little bit from that experience. Mm -hmm. So I did wonder like, would I have enjoyed this movie a little bit more if the theater had been full? Cause then I would have been responding to their response to the movie mm-hmm. I don't know but mm-hmm. I love I love having the theater to myself so I was happy <laughs> <laughs> it either needs to be like a pure private showing or mm-hmm. we need a packed theater you know yeah. like let's not do the little sprinkling ones those are less fun <laughs> we either want the full experience or we want to be by ourselves <laughs> yeah that's accurate um, there were definitely lots of gasps in that that scene, especially because the sound cuts out. Yeah. Let's actually talk about that scene. Um, yeah, the sound cuts out, and it is such a contrast to the the engines roaring for the past, you know, 10 minutes of that very long uh, racing sequence. And you could audibly hear all of the gasps for sure. I think there's, a, there's another scene earlier in the movie where the sound also cuts out. I forget which moment it is. Um, but that one, just lot, lots of chewing, lots of candy wrappers, lots of popcorn crunching in that one. But yeah, the theater definitely audibly was reacting and you, you could hear like the women in the back going, oh my goodness. You know, like all of the, the you know, guttural reactions were really, really fascinating to see. That, that is silent in that scene. Absolutely silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I, I find that fascinating so like the the roller coaster of emotions that I went on during that scene all alone in my theater was like oh no this is because in the trailer you Mm -hmm. saw the crash 
And so I was like, I've been waiting for this crash that I've seen in the trailer before. And so then when when it cuts out to silent, I was like, oh, this is where that crash is going to happen. And then seeing the car like mow through all of the people, then it's like the, oh my gosh, wow. Because I know that this is based on a true story. And so it's like, oh my gosh, all of these people were taken out in real life during this race. That's insane. And then laughter because (laughs) it was so over the top with all the bodies. Also, I'm pretty sure that one of them was like, I mean, obviously like they're like dummies interspersed, but like one of them, the skin looked like really, really yellow to me. And I was like, you couldn't get like, a normal flesh tone dummy to be in your pile of bodies. So I was distracted by that. And then you see the driver, like half of his body splatted on the pavement. And that I found funny because it looked so just unrealistic. And I don't, I don't know, just the whole thing. I was like, really, we're being so sensational and exploitative of these people's death Mm -hmm. and just showing carnage in this way like it's a spectator sport so then it turned into laughter and like oh okay I'm I'm done with this but I thought it was really fascinating because we had just watched the Iron Claw and even though that movie didn't work for me as well as it worked for you um, I love how honoring the Iron Claw was to this family and all of the tragedies that they endured and it's still dramatic and and you're still shocked by what's going on and every loss is impactful and then you have this which is just like carnage of bodies look at people sprayed across you got limbs everywhere you got half a torso like i don't know just seeing the contrast between the two and and yeah and i think the iron claw is is much more classy (laughs) in the way that it handles real life tragedies that happened whereas ferrari is just like look at all these bodies that didn't feel great to me (laughs) no it's such a fabulous point and i was gonna bring up the iron claw as well because they are so different in their approach i think this is this is the perfect example of smart versus you know sensationalized filmmaking which is that ironically showing all of those bodies and actually in that scene Ferrari shows the car you know ramming into those bodies with terrible CGI like the CGI on that just looks it looks so bad the way that the bodies are flung around you know the speed of that is wrong it doesn't look right It it, it just it just looks like terrible CGI and ironically it, it creates less of an emotional impact because we're focused on the wrong thing. I think that there's a version of that scene where you see the car, you see the tire get slashed and you just cut to the reactions of the people that, that are not killed, right? Like there's a, there's a shot, I think, of the mother and the family running yeah. out and, yeah. and cognitively you've just seen the family together at, at breakfast or at their meal, right? And and now you see that contrast, like that's the emotional gut punch, not the shots of the bodies, which this, so then it's just, you know, like a perfect example of the way that this film actually doesn't fully understand what we need 
as a viewer to to invest, to connect, to feel the weight of the emotions. And it's ironic because the less you show if or if you focus on showing the right things, it's actually far more powerful than literally giving us um, the carnage. And and you're right. There will be all of us in the theater like you. They're just focused on the wrong things. And, and you know, our, our cognitive attention span is now drawn away from the emotions of the moment because we're just thinking about the terrible CGI and kind of the, the sensationalized visuals. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know, when when you show carnage like that, mm-hmm. it's hard to be as emotionally invested, like in a weird way it's easier to like disassociate and be like, oh, that's a weird thing that happens. Whereas if you're more emotionally invested in like the characters, for example, then that might be more impactful. Um, But even then, I don't think you need to show all of these people being maimed and Mm -hmm. murdered by a car. Uh, I don't know. And, And then because the whole movie is focused on Ferrari and he is this like ruthless businessman who has emotionally shut him off himself off from everything. Then you're watching this and you're going, how is he going to respond to this? What is his responsibility? What is his company going to do to try and you can never make this right, but like do something to help these families. But I don't know. I watching this movie, I was like, Ferrari's not a good guy. So mm-hmm. I don't trust that he's going to do right by these people. So then it made me like dislike him even more. I don't know. I wasn't sure what to do with this movie and what to do with our protagonist. Uh, even though I think he's kind of like an antagonist in some ways, but I don't know that whole crash just, it didn't work for me when that should have been like, the most emotional moment. I, I don't know. It didn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think it's a, a really great point because the, I don't think the movie gives enough. See, this is where I go back to. I don't think this film is focused enough because that in and of itself, the, the, the unpacking the theme around like the moral responsibility and kind of the, maybe the gray areas of it and the ways that Enzo tries to um, maybe soothe his own sense of guilt, or maybe there isn't, you know, any sense of responsibility there, which is also kind of an interesting uh, trait about this, this in this movie around the, you know, the portrait of a real life figure, but this focusing on that in and of itself for this film, the lead up and the ways that we've seen, um, him shirk responsibility in the past or whatnot. And then the ways that that him and Laura respond to that in the aftermath of it, like that in and of itself is a, is a fascinating film that can unpack a lot of these themes around like um, responsibility and guilt and the things that we choose to avoid and, and soothe ourselves in, or we, we step up in and, and how we deal with that and how that is involved and integrated somehow into you know, these corporate entities and the complexities there, like, but the film barely resolves that whole like emotional gut punch that comes from that crash scene. It's maybe a few conversations afterwards. We see some reporters reacting. And then there's that one, you know, pivotal conversation between 
and then Lauer with the money to pay off the reporters. And then it's maybe like one line of white text on the screen at the end of the movie. Like it just, it doesn't fully spend enough time resolving, unpacking and, and wrapping that through line up in a way that I feel like is worthy of the emotional uh, emphasis that the movie has for that scene. So then you're like, well, I thought you were interested in this thing, but as a movie, I, maybe you're not. And so then what are you interested in? I think that's a, I think one of the biggest flaws of this film is that there isn't a, a focus on, on a specific aspect. We kind of get these smatterings of things, but we are set up for some to expect resolution or, or at least an unpacking of certain themes that kind of get, you know, just brushed aside. And I think that, that is a little bit, um, I think confusing as a viewer because we're set up and we're prepared and primed for something that doesn't ever come. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. So I have, I have two alternate pitches for this movie for you. Obviously it would have to be, uh, directed by a different person, (laughs) but, um, okay. Idea number one is the scope of the movie is just after that crash. So we we don't see the crash, but we see the after effects of it. And then it is that exploration of who Ferrari is as he is responding to this crisis. And it is a deep character study of this man responding to this tragedy while also fighting the fires for his business, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. So I think that would get to some of that emotional core getting to that like corporate responsibility stuff, like get into all of these weightier themes because the scope is narrower. I like it. I like it. And there's, there's going to be a lot in there with like the, the unraveling of um, the, the relational shift Mm -hmm. between him and Laura and what that means for them and their negotiation. There could be so many great scenes just in that little study of theirs, you know, with the leather chairs, just have them just go at it with each other. I think that's, that would be amazing. Give Penelope Cruz more screen time. Oh, yes. That would be like all the spicy and, and yeah, and a visionary for him. So then my, my other idea for this movie is that it just, the primary focus is on these two women. Uh, Keep Penelope Cruz, Shailene Woodley would need to be replaced with somebody else. Um, But focus on the two women. And I I see this more as like an artsy fartsy movie where like Enzo is almost like a ghost that is haunting their lives. And you see the after effects of him being there, but you're really focusing on these two women as they're navigating this kind of impossible situation that they both find themselves in. And so then you learn more about the two women and you learn more about the culture of, of Italy at the time, because I think at that time, Italy had really strict uh, laws around divorce and so that's why that's part of the reason why Enzo couldn't acknowledge his son. And so you could really grapple with some of these larger cultural things that these two women were facing, in addition to being character studies of the two women. I love that. So this is like women talking meets. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Italy in the 1950s. And yeah, it's pretty great much. that version as that Lena and Laura are such foils to each other and, you know, their strengths are so different and what they give and can provide from a family, like 
with Enzo as well is is so different. They fulfill different needs in him, but also like just the way that they deal with conflict, the way they deal with difficult situations are so different. And I think both so, so it would paint such an interesting perspective of like what being a woman means and, and the many different versions of what that can look like. Man, throw the mom in there too. She, I wanted more of her mom. Yes. She was so funny. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great though? You just you, you call this movie Ferrari. Uh, mm-hmm. in there, and then get all of the like middle-aged men to the theater, and ta-da! <laughs> here's the movie that you didn't expect. <laughs> oh, it's a bait and switch. That's it totally amazing. is. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Let's do it. Let's find somebody to make this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really fascinating. That'd be really fascinating. And I think, I think that's, that's the problem with this movie is I actually think that this movie is more interested in the family drama of the, the Ferrari family. If you look at like the way this movie starts and ends, it's about the family. It's, it's, it's Shakespearean in a lot of ways around, um, this this child from another woman and is he legitimate do we acknowledge him um you know enzo's juggling all, all of the the family dynamics in his life as well as his corporate responsibilities as head of this company but the movie's not about ferrari really i think i think all of those racing scenes and and moments where they're discussing the company are really just ways to usher in a, a a perspective of who this man is and how he operates in his private life and i think that this movie basically maybe it's a marketing play but tries to like have its cake and eat too um by you know including those racing scenes it kind of fulfills what people maybe are in the theater for but it also really is not interested in that at all this is such a contrast to Ford versus Ferrari, which like really knows what it is and what it's trying to do and, and what it's delivering to the viewers, which is just this, you know, testosterone filled, like adrenaline rush for a, a basically, you know, a two hour movie. And it's very highly effective at that. There's not a lot of heavy themes. It's, you know, the characters are pretty straightforward and you're just there for the thrills. I think Ferrari's trying to do both and it kind of is basically ineffective at doing both because you inevitably can't include all of that and do all of those, both of those sides of the story. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I was really struggling throughout this movie to figure out what it was trying to accomplish. Uh, and I, I kept getting confused because I think that the racing scenes are better than the other scenes except for the scenes with Penelope Cruz in them because she's incredible um and so it was it was hard for me because I was like okay I'm enjoying these racing scenes more because I think in some ways they're better though not always uh but we don't spend a lot of time racing it's really focused on these families but I'm not really learning anything from this. So I'm not sure. I just, I wasn't sure what we were doing. And I also kept comparing this to Ford v. Ferrari. And while I didn't super enjoy that movie, I think it's a lot more effective, especially in those racing scenes. And so there were certain moments with the, 
I, what I remember most about Ford v. Ferrari is the sound design because it was so incredible. I didn't watch Ford v. Ferrari in theaters. I watched it on my crappy little laptop and still I was overwhelmed by the sound design in that. And I feel like Ferrari was trying to replicate that, but I don't think it does it as effectively. Um, and so that was while I was watching, I kept comparing it to Ford v. Ferrari. And then I was wondering if I was maybe being a little too harsh to Ferrari instead of just like judging it in its own, trying to compare it to another movie that I've seen do it better. So I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Ferrari. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a muddled mess for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt the same way with the racing scenes, um, especially that big uh, racing sequence, the end with the race through Italy, um, but it was a thousand mile race. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. That felt so long to me. It's like, this is, oh, yeah. this is when you know this is not working well when I'm just like, okay, and here's another shot. Here's the overhead shot of the cars and here's the shot by the tires of the cars. And it's just, even... Regardless of the sound design, I think even the, the cinematography and the editing of that sequence oh, is just yeah. not well executed. So nope. it's never good when your racing sequence feels like a slog. That's not the goal. It should feel like seconds have passed by in a 10-minute long sequence because you were just on the edge of your seat. But um, I think that the way that it's edited is, is quite slow and, and quite like methodical in that it's just – beat after beat of changing the angle that we're viewing the race from. And the other problem with that racing sequence is I don't think that there's enough setup for us to really understand, you know, maybe the rivalries or the stakes um, or the, the, the processes around like that tire, like they should have played that up so much more. I mean, this is the cornerstone of every, you know, great action sequence is that there's got to be some, rules of how the that that whatever they're about to execute is going to work so that we understand and then we can see the stakes happening cognitively and visually um that gets us invested because without that we're just watching shots of beautiful overhead shots of cars and it's great but that gets real boring real fast so i feel like we needed a little bit more setup for that race sequence a little more details a little bit more understanding of who's who, what their personalities are like, what their tendencies might be, what's maybe wrong with the cars, what could go wrong, and then watch that play out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like the movie is it it's one of those that gives you too much information and not enough at the same time. Yeah. So it it almost seems like it's trying to be a movie for people who understand cars and know the story, but also being like too basic in, in some of that to be interesting. So I, I think that you're absolutely right. I, I feel like the movie tries to set up the stakes for the race and you understand how this is super important for Enzo financially and how like they need to win this race in order for this company to survive. But you're right. I wish that they would have taken it a little bit more detailed and like given us more information about the race. So if, if that's going to be our focus, 
cut out some of the family drama stuff and actually take us through what this race is and why it's so important, why it's so dangerous too, instead of just showing us a bunch of cards racing that were kind of boring. Like there were multiple points yes. where like, where, where like one car would like pass another. And I'm like, okay, in, in racing, there's ways that you can block that and like make that more exciting. And like, mm -hmm. are they going to be able to pass? And then somebody blocks them and you can show like the teamwork of the drivers who are on the same team. Cause they'll also work together to make sure that one racer wins mm. and, and they have each other's back, even though they're competing against each other. So there's all sorts of interesting things that you can do with that to make those shots more exciting. But I wish that they would have also gone into like the terrain and the weather mm. and how that affects everything that you're doing. Cause that will affect your tire pressure. It'll affect the quality of your tires, how long they last, you know, like all of these things about the car change based on your terrain and the and the environment and and all of that could have made that so much more exciting but mm -hmm. instead we're it's almost like this weird like remedial version of this race where it's just like look at the cars they go vroom like that's, <laughs> that's it which doesn't I don't know it doesn't make it as exciting so even if you're not a car person though there's a way that you can explain these things like I mean, I know, and I'm not a car person, that I need to get my tires changed every once in a while so that they yeah. keep working. So cognitively, I can grasp those stakes because I have dealt with something similar-ish, mm. uh, but the movie isn't willing to to give us those things to make that scene more exciting. Yeah. No, that's a really great, really great way of putting it. It's almost like... You know, you can tell when you watch a film about music that the creators just have a love for music, right? Like the way that it's shot. I'm mean, thinking about Damien Chazelle and many of his films, especially the ones that are about jazz. And you can just see the way that he films the musicians and the instruments and, and those shots. Like there is a, a love and affection and understanding of that craft and what to focus on and, and what's captivating about it. This almost feels like that entire racing sequence was created, written, edited, filmed by people that just either don't know or do not love this aspect of, you know, high octane adrenaline rush car racing. I mean, just take a couple pages from the book of like any Fast and Furious movie and honestly, <laughs> they do it well. Yeah nail it every time you know what I mean like we understand the stakes there's emotional stakes for those race sequences are they the best shot I mean they're fine but they get at the adrenaline rush they know how to be efficient yeah. and they nail it and we're here for it they made what how many movies I don't even remember and, how. right because now we're on fast, oh, yeah, fast oh X. and there's yeah. there's the little like spin-off too so I guess okay, 11 so movies 12 movies that's and so every many. time we're still not bored of it. So yeah. let's just maybe like outside consultant, fast, fast and furious <laughs> specialization <laughs> in filming car racing scenes. But there's something about that, those details that are really exciting for us. And like you mentioned, they can play up that, that um, fuel stop. You know, I think there's, there's that one, there's maybe yeah. two fuel stops. That's yeah. actually where you could do a lot with like, Hey, this part is is faulty, and this is included in the, in the movie. But it's just they spend like 
barely a couple seconds on it, but like this fault is part is, is, is this part is faulty. This is going to be a risk, but we're going to make the trade-off to go in to the next segment, the next leg, because we just got to keep going. But like now as a viewer, I'm like, oh my gosh, your tire part is faulty. Like, and then play up that, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Right. Yeah. It, this movie does a little bit of that, but I mean, you make that real dramatic for me. I'm I'm here to eat it up. And I, I think another aspect of this is that just visually, both of both the Ferraris and the Maseratis were red. Yeah. And so it was difficult to discern who is who. And I I, I understand, I don't know if all of those cars were red for the actual race but just visually that it would have been great if there was a clear distinction between the two teams rather than just having to rely on i i kept looking at the front of the car because the maserati you could see the emblem on the front and that was my like biggest visual cue of which car this was but if if the maseratis had been a different color that would have helped immensely to make these more interesting because then you don't have just a bunch of red cars grouped together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was real confused all the time. I was looking for something. Yeah. I feel like this is like me watching hockey. I'm like, what? I- I'm trying to follow the puck. I-, I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in the mess of men out there. Same thing with this. Like, yeah, there's, there's two cars that are going at it and, and they're neck and neck. Which car am I rooting for again? I don't know. Yep. So let me just sit back in my seat and watch this unfold. Yeah. The The other thing is that I think the movie spends quite a bit of time with creating emotional stakes with the drivers and them writing the letters the night before the race. Uh, there's that whole sequence with um, one of the drivers, the one that passes, I think, with his, his wife or his girlfriend or partner. And and I think... I think, I don't know, maybe there's a version of that that could have worked better for me, but I don't know if there's emotional investment that I have in the drivers for that to be the the key thing that this, this race's emotional stakes are. I think the bigger emotional stakes are we've been following Enzo Ferrari and his family for the entire movie. And the stakes are that, that this, this company and their livelihood is dependent on this. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the movie just spends so much time in that like pre the night before uh, preparation by these drivers. And I'm like, I I don't know anything about you yet. (laughs) You know, like we've seen a couple of scenes with you, but I'm not emotionally invested in you. And, and if we had spent more time focusing on the race and playing up the drivers and at least, you know, a couple more scenes with them, maybe that could have worked better, but I don't know that, that didn't, that didn't work for me. Um, I I think cognitively I can see that this is like going to be dangerous. And so that's why they're writing their letters, but the movie spends quite a bit of just, you know, screen time with that aspect. I'm, I'm curious if that worked for you. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those where I could see what the movie was trying to do. And I I could appreciate the attempt rather than it actually working. Um, I, I think it, it goes back to some of what we were just saying. Like, if you don't know what this race is... And, and I wasn't familiar with it. Like I knew that it was going to be a long race because Mille is a thousand. So I was like, okay, this is a really, really long, arduous race that we're going for. But I didn't know about the terrain. I didn't know a lot about what this was until I 
looked it up afterwards. And so I think if the movie had been more intentional to like, okay, these are the personal stakes of this race for Enzo and the company. Bet. Got it. Cool. These, this is what the race actually looks like. And these are the stakes for the drivers. Then that moment when they're writing those letters, I think could have been more impactful. I don't think that we needed to like learn about each of the drivers. I think if the film had done a better job of showing just how dangerous it is. And there, there are certain lines throughout where Enzo is like, I lost my friends and people are talking about other drivers who have died. And we saw the driver die in, in their test earlier in the movie. So we, we know that it's dangerous, but I don't think that we know just how dangerous this race is. And I feel like if the film had set that up better then that letter writing may have been more effective. That's so true. That's so true. I know I keep talking about this one scene from Top Gun Maverick. And I will probably keep talking about this scene from Top Gun no, Maverick. No, it's great. Go but ahead. but the the like process scene where Tom Cruise is explaining the the mission and at this bend you need to do this. At this bend, you need to do this. And if you don't do this, you're going to get shot at. If you don't do this in this right timing, you're going to blow up. If you don't do this here, this is what's going to happen to you. And we get – it's it's quite an efficient scene. We get maybe a couple of minutes of it. I mean, granted, Top Gun Maverick goes all in on that because we get to see all of them practicing it. But mm-hmm. even just that little like, okay, guys, this is what we're about to do. This is what's going to be executed. And if you don't, this is what will happen to you. We just needed some, like even a hair of something like that to to get to those pieces like you were saying. These are the bends. These are the seven legs of this race. You're going to be going through towns. You're going to be going through countryside. You're going to be doing these big S turns on the side of a mountain. And if you miss this aspect, you fall off the mountain. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. We needed the equivalent of Maverick explaining the mission to us so that we understand what's about to happen. And then inevitably we also need to understand that when we get to those points, like there's, there's not too much information enough for us to remember, Oh yes, the us turn on that one mountain range. This is the part. And just look a couple of those, like two or three, you know, would have been sufficient. And you build up to like, Oh, they're approaching that S turn. And here we go. There's the first car that goes. They make it okay. There's a second one that goes. They barely make it. You know, just something that gets us a little bit more focused on something, I think. Yeah. Where, where's yeah. Maverick when we need him? Where is Maverick? Come on. What are you doing? We need you in 1957 Italy to to help this race situation. And I'm sure you um, would thrive in 1957 Italy. <laughs> yeah. But and I, and I I think another aspect of that is, and we've already kind of touched on it, but even sharing about the different vehicles. So they were driving different makes of Ferrari, and so each of them has strengths and weaknesses. And so mm. even getting into some of the like, okay, and this car is going to struggle here, or oh, look out yeah. for this because it's going to respond differently in this portion. Like all of that would have helped. Even if you're not a car person, even if you're not a racing person, you can still understand those things and and, and the film can guide you so that you're more invested in every turn or every breakaway. And, and you also knowing 
where those pit stops are going to come too. So like you have to drive a certain way so that your car will make it to the next pit stop. Mm. So you can, you can throw some wrenches into that process too. I don't know. There's a lot of things they could have done to make this race even more exciting. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. And then actually it makes that, that scene, the, the crash scene even more set up for because mm-hmm. you've seen how there's been so many little things that they've thought about and accounted for and that they're focused on that they have to pay attention to. So when this one thing also goes wrong, like there's, there's a little bit of a, um, we've already emotionally been in a good way, exhausted by all of the things that have gone wrong. And so by the time we get to that point, we too are like, man, and that one thing we forgot or that one thing we thought we were good on because there's mm-hmm. 10 million others that we had to focus on. And that was the thing that was our downfall. Like that's, now that's a pay, that's a setup, you know, then we are emotionally there and we feel the weight of that because they tried their best. They, they were thinking about 10 million other things to survive. Who knew there'd be a little, you know, extra bump in the road in that one's part? Because mm-hmm. we figured yeah. we've been focused on the S-turns and the, you know, all of the other terrain that we had to manage. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been, that would have been, been so much. Yeah. That would have been so much better. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that that really is what it is. Like our focus is so split for this two hour long movie, which at times really felt like a slog uh, so that we aren't emotionally invested in anything because our attention is too divided over across too many things. So even though this like time frame wise takes place in a year, I mean, less than a year, probably, I don't know what the exact scope is, but even though it was narrow in that regard, there's too many characters and we're too divided in our focus. So then nothing is really as impactful as it could have or mm-hmm. should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. Which goes back to like your two pitches for this movie. And there's probably like a third, which just give us the race movie, you know, like give us the high octane adrenaline rush process mm-hmm. movie about this race. That's not the yep. version of this, you know, and, and through the preparation, we get to see maybe aspects about who this person is, but the focus is on the race preparation. And f- through that, we get ushered in all of these character moments with these people. Um, maybe that's the third version of this. And the first two that you pitched were like really focused on these people. And, and it really is like an artsy fartsy moody character driven piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One or the other, we can't have our cake and eat it too. Yeah, we have we have three good pitches for a Ferrari yes. movie. Yes. <laughs> Each yep. of them much more narrow in scope. But I think because the focus is narrow, then you can better set the stakes and better explore some things rather than us having to be so divided across multiple things to have to think about. Yep. Yep. No, that's so true. That's so true. And and even in that that race focused film Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be the you know slightly more simplistic character (laughs) creations in ford v ferrari which definitely (laughs) paint a more you know straightforward picture of of the conflict and the tensions and who the people were like i actually think that a lot of what this film 
is interested in about Enzo's character. There's a lot of his like risk-taking tendencies, a lot of his um, like emotionally distant uh, approach to things. There's a lot of his like anxiety woven in there. Like all of that can still be brought out through some of the moments and tensions that come up when we are preparing for this very big race that his entire career and the family business is riding on, like that actually can maybe usher those aspects in even more effectively than this movie does because there's a, there's a lot of dialogue in the first hour of this movie and it's not really clear what, what our purpose is, but if we have a purpose, then we can really allow for some of those character moments to breathe a little bit more without them feeling a little bit, um, un, kind of a little bit like we're wandering through a portrait about a person. No, we've got a goal. And while we're on the, on the way to accomplish this goal, we're learning a lot about this person. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the race is the vehicle to explore the character. And I, I think that that is, that's a formula that just works. Cause like you said, we have a goal, we know what we're working toward. So mentally we, we know where we're going and we have a blueprint. And so then that just helps give some guardrails for us as the audience to, to be able to like gather other information. Cause if we don't know what our goal is, if we don't know what we're doing, then it's harder to focus on things and it's easier to feel a little bit lost and then it's easier to disengage from the story. And so I think making the race this this goal and explaining we have to we have to win and, and and showing how that affects not only Enzo's life but the company, all of these drivers like setting the stakes for that and then along the way we can explore who Enzo is as a person based on how he's reacting to all of these other things. I I think that that could have been a much more effective movie because we are focused we have a goal and so then we don't get distracted or disengaged from the story where the current version of ferrari it's very easy to disengage because we don't know what we're doing or where we're going yep yeah totally agree totally agree okay with the last couple minutes any other things that we wanted to mention i've got i think two things on my list I also have two things. <gasps> okay. What's you do one and I'll do one and then we'll go okay. back and forth. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start with my more serious thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this. Um, there is that scene in the church uh, where the, the, the priest, I guess, is giving this sermon about, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, but if he was born here, then he would have been a metal worker. And he was explaining about the engines and all of these things. And so you can see how racing is so intertwined in this town and how having Ferrari in this town has, I mean, that's their whole identity. And and I thought that that was really fascinating. And uh, it, it made me think about how, you know, when sports teams come to a city like sure it's a lot of cost but it also helps shape the identity of that city and and so I thought that that was just a really interesting thing that the movie included and I think it's a really fascinating thing to to think about that sports aren't just entertainment but can actually have like a real 
economic impact on a city and can help shape the culture of that city, just like we saw in this movie. Mm, yes, that's so interesting. And and potentially even beyond just the the economic implications, but even the like sense of purpose and meaning and the, mm. you know, like the fact that yeah. it's it's part of that it was in this church seeing that being such an intentional choice. I mean, there's been so many, you know, significant sports events. I'm thinking about um one of the the years in the Olympics where the winner of certain sports uh, games or matches felt like a political um, mm-hmm. triumph as well. There was a sense yeah. of like national pride that we defeated the Germans in the sport or whatever it might have been, you know? And so that like larger, like metaphorical aspects of um, sports and, and the way that it, it feels significant beyond just the sport itself is is so so huge so that that scene being in a church is also just like such a you know well-designed scene honestly there's some good things mm-hmm. that the movie does yeah 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 I think that was one of the more interesting scenes for me and it was also super exciting because you go from from the church and then you go to the racetrack and the church and the racetrack and you can see how all of these things are so intertwined in these people's lives and in this culture and I don't know I just that was that was one of my favorite scenes in this because it was just it was exciting it was interesting I was thinking about all sorts of things I was fully engaged in that church service unlike Ferrari who was on the racetrack in his brain that scene I was wondering if they were heavily inspired by the baptism scene in the godfather because it felt so mm-hmm. resonant of like let's cut constantly cut together these two seemingly very disparate things but actually there's a lot of connection point between the two of them and and here's this incredibly spiritual place and this service and then you're cutting in like these high octane like engines roaring and and we're at the racetrack and I I just thought that was like such an I'm sure I'm sure it was was inspired by um, that baptism scene the godfather so that was kind of neat Mm -hmm. absolutely that's also why it was so good Mm -hmm. it's the godfather yes yeah well and every time that the car would go by you just you see that gain speed again and again and again but that was really smart yeah the film could do more of that yes down yeah could be down okay what was your thing uh my thing was there are a couple of really funny lines that uh, are in- integrated in this movie that kind of come from left field um, from Enzo. Like he's, I mean, obviously the mom has a couple of funny moments, but I wanted more of that just like super dry, like out of left field humor and like a very serious scene, but just Enzo will deliver a line. I, I'm like, this, they could have done more of this y'all. Like, there is, there's a couple of those moments. There's not a lot of them. I can think of maybe like three or four. But in our version of this movie that is focused on the racing, like I think there's a, there could have been a little bit more of that. This movie's pretty pretty somber for most of it. And uh, I think the little bit of levity also just is, it's, it's fascinating to see this, this style of humor that Enzo Ferrari like has and maybe would have. I don't know if it, how heavily it it is rooted in the actual person, but um, it's part of character building as well. And so I just, I wanted a little bit more of that. I think it could have been really fun. 
Oh yeah. I totally agree. Like, uh, humor is so important in a movie. I think especially in a more dramatic movie, you know, you need those moments of, I don't know, humor to lift you out of the slog that you're in, you know, (laughs) like, and Enzo is going through a slog. Like this is an unpleasant time in this man's life. And we are walking through that with him and we need moments. We need, we need a break. So I feel like humor has that. And humor also reveals a lot about a character too. Like when you joke and how you joke can, can reveal a lot about who you are without having to like, say, this is who I am. And so I feel like they could have better used, utilize that to help us as the audience stay engaged in the story and reveal more about the character two things that this movie kind of struggles with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I think we could have leaned into that a little bit more we get a few little bits but I wanted more mm-hmm. it wasn't enough okay what's your second thing uh my second thing is there were points in this movie where it felt like there was no good take. And so they just had to use the best of bad options. And and I had that thought like multiple times throughout the movie because some of the ways that it's edited together just didn't feel intuitive to me. And so I was like, wait, mm. why, why are we making these choices? And so the one example of this that really bothered me and it might I don't know if it was just my my theater so I'm curious if you noticed this or what your experience was but at the end uh when Enzo is with his son in the cemetery they're seated and they're talking and life is great sounds great wonderful then they get up and they start walking and the the gravel of and them walking on the gravel is so loud so then all of the volume had to be turned up so that we could hear what they were saying. And the volume mm. of that scene is so much louder than the previous scene that I was like, what are we doing? Like, this is horrible. What what happened here? And why is this travel so loud that that <laughs> is the primary thing that you hear in the scene? I don't know. Maybe it was just my theater. It jacked up the sound. I don't know. But that was one of those where I was like, this feels like amateurish to me, but this cost mm. a good jillion dollars to make. Oh my gosh. Like, why yeah. couldn't we get a better take where you're not having to deal with people walking on gravel? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I didn't notice that as much, but again, I often focus on very different things when we watch movies. So it could be a me thing too. But yeah, I was I was kind of like, in that scene, I was like, oh, this is the scene we're ending on? Oh, okay. That seems like a very interesting choice as far as like the thesis of what this film focuses on. That's where my brain was. Uh, but no, I, yeah, that, that's really odd. That's very odd. And it sounds like it, there were several scenes, not just that one that could have been an anomaly, but that there were yeah. several scenes that were like that for you. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple other ones where the camera would like cut away and then cut back in ways that didn't didn't make sense to me. And like not everything needs to make sense to me. But 
there were times where it it didn't feel like oh this is an intentional choice it it mm. felt like oh we're 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 trying to like cover up this thing so we have to cut to a different angle and then we have to cut back like I don't know I, and uh, it could just be me but there were multiple times where I was like why did you make that choice what what else was going on here that made you make that choice because that's not intuitive for this scene mm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do I know I'm not an editor I'm not a cin- cinematographer so maybe it was just me <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm those, those little details matter and that, that balance and sound or the, the way that a shot's constructed, they all matter. My similar spirit, different thing is just Shailene Woodley's accent. Just, oh. I'm usually like pretty chill as far as accents bothering me. Like I, people will be like, that accent was terrible. I'm like, yeah, I was focused on something else, I'm sure. But that her accent genuinely was so distracting to me in every scene that she was in. It almost felt like some sentences she would say in an American accent and the next sentence would be like an attempt at an Italian accent. And then we just are flipping back and forth within like an entire conversation. So I just, I needed her to either practice that a little bit more or figure out someone else that could have nailed that Italian accent better. I, it just, it was one of those things where I was like, how did this even like make it onto set? And we were just fine with it. Like, was there not higher standards for this? I have many questions. Yeah. I, I also have questions. I think she is just horribly miscast in this. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that she's a bad actress. I've seen her in things where I'm like, Oh no, you're yeah. actually pretty good. Um, she is bad in this. Uh, and that's unfortunate. Cause I think if, if that character had been stronger, that really would have helped, you know, be that foil to Laura. And I think that that would have helped this movie be even better. But because Shailene Woodley's performance is just not great. uh, I I don't know. Those scenes are particularly rough to get through. And uh, I, so like, I think somebody else needed to be cast number one. But like, if you're going to keep her with this weird American slash attempt at an Italian accent, like, let's just change the character and just have her be like an American who moved to Italy. I don't, I don't know anything about like Lena's actual life, but include something to explain why her accent isn't right. And then, then we would be much more forgiving, but yeah, it was rough. Yeah, the whole time I'm like, why would you just go back to Laura? Like, she's right? she's the she's a G. She's an yes. absolute G. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the other, I I tend to be much more bothered by accents than <laughs> than you are. So Patrick Dempsey's accent also <laughs> did bother me. It wasn't as much as Shailene Woodley's, but. Uh, there were times when I was like, oh, do you, do you have to be talking right now? (laughs) (laughs) Why? But it was cool to see him in this because he actually does race cars. Um, and like he owns race cars and like does the whole thing. So that was really, really cool to, to see him in this and being able to play such a famous driver. So I was like, okay, I'm willing to forgive you just a little bit more because this is a really cool thing that you actually do in your life. But his accent wasn't 
wasn't great. Just give him a couple less lines. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he, he does a lot, like, when he's not talking. So just mm -hmm. less is more. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, you know the accent's bad when even I notice it. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. I, yes, again, like, how did that make it into the final fit? Like, how? That's what I'm how saying. Yeah, the best of all of the options. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. That that was my thought. And every time she's on screen, like, how, why did we not just, you know, how did this make the cut? Why was this okay? Yeah. Well, I guess we will never know, yeah. and that's all right. No. Yep. All right. Well, this is our review and discussion of Ferrari. You can find it available out in theaters. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us. Our name sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. So everyone is welcome here and we're so glad you spent time with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a rating and review, letting us know your thoughts about Ferrari. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at MoviesNSPod or email us at MoviesNSPod at gmail.com. We will be back next week to do our annual tradition here on the Movies and Us podcast where we go through our top 10 lists of films we've watched in the past year in 2023. Always a good time. Always fascinating. I'm intrigued to see what you've got in your list this year, <laughs> what collection of movies you have. Yeah. yeah, this should be really, really fun. I am excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, always a really good time and a great way to wrap up the year of movies, celebrating the ones we loved as we head into a new year, getting excited for the movies that we will watch in 2024. So we hope you have an amazing week and we hope to see you very soon.